Well, let's bless the Lord, everybody. Come on, give Jesus the highest praise you can give him. Amen. He's Lord. He's Lord. I tell you, I love when I get to come speak somewhere and, you know, you're supposed to be uh, the, the ones that help pour into other people, but I don't know about the rest of you, but I just this morning in just, I didn't know announcements could get so anointed and so inspiring. I'm serious. I mean, it just stirs you up. It stirs up the gift within you to just keep, we're doing the right thing, everybody. And uh, y'all are doing it. And I just give God praise for it. And uh, boy, just wish this went a little longer because we asked, Brenda and I, we're just, we're having a great time with y'all. Good chance to meet you. And uh, by the way, somebody asked me today and I didn't notice it. I thought it was gone. I didn't notice it. Uh, I was at the breakfast area and somebody said to me, where did you get that Southern accent? And I know it's, it's really bad. I, I don't know where, I don't know how, I thought it left us. We've been up here in Michigan for a long, long time. And, uh, and I know it's a little confusing. The people do, do wonder a little bit. Uh, that last name of, of mine is Reifkogel. It is a Dutch name, R-I-J-F-K-O-G-E-L. I, I finally learned to spell it when I hit seventh grade. And uh, it really tough. And my dad, my dad uh, was a blonde-haired, blue-eyed, fair-complected Dutchman. That's no lie. And you're saying, what happened to you? Well... What happened to me is my dad married my mom, who is Chinese, from Indonesia, and my mother was Chinese, so uh, that's why I have these cute little slanted brown eyes. My eyes are at a 45-degree angle, and I love rice. Come on, amen. Y'all go out there and support my people. Go to the restaurant, amen. Support my people. And, uh, and I know it's very confusing. It's very confusing. My parents came to this country in 1961, I was nine months old, had six kids, two weeks on a boat to get here. And uh, yeah, great story. Just the testimony of God's goodness to us. And my mother was raised Buddhist in Samadong, Indonesia. Uh, my grandfather pla practiced black magic. That's all he ever knew. My mom would go to a temple and bow before a wooden image every day of her life. And that's, my, that's a little bit of my pedigree of where we are. And I know it's confusing. I, I get you because you're up there going, okay, this guy's got this. Last thing, it looks like a disease. He's got slanted eyes, and he is stuck with that dumb southern accent. What is wrong with this man? It, it is a mess. It is a mess. Because how I many you know? I, you should have been raised in it. Because I got a mom from an Asian culture and a dad from a European culture, and then they come to America. You talk about you just you are just messed up. Because listen, when your mom is Chinese and your daddy's Dutch, how many know you're messed up? Because when your mom is Chinese and your daddy's Dutch, that makes you the China Hutch. That's what happens to you. Amen. And so, so I know it's all messed up, but isn't that all of our background? We were all messed up by sin. We got all different kinds of backgrounds. But look what happened when we surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. Come on, help me. Thank God. We have a purpose and a mission, and hell cannot stop us. Amen. No matter what he sends, he can't stop us. Amen. Thank you so much. Again. Pastor Mark Barb, thank you guys for just letting us be a part of this. We just, this is, this is an awesome, you can just feel the presence of the Holy Spirit. I just love it. It's an easy environment to preach in. Amen. Just, I'm telling you, it's awesome. Well, hey, listen, do me a favor. I want to just speak just for a few moments. And I want you to go to 1 Samuel chapter 30, if you could join me for a moment. And, uh, and I, I, I want to just share with you, there's, some of you have been asking, you know, is there, do you have other teaching materials, Pastor Sam, that you have? And, 
And if you want to go back there, there's someone that's out there. Uh, everything's on a downloadable card if you want it. There's three different series because I know pastors have a lot of work. Y'all working very hard, and I get it. And there are three series back there that I think will be a real blessing to you. I won't take the time to tell you what they all are. One's on stewardship and one's on uh, on a understanding a revival that will happen in the workplace when we understand the theology of people's labor and their work. And we, we, we underestimate that because the first attribute that you see of God is in Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created. He was at work. And the greatest outpouring of the Spirit should be happening not in our churches. It should be happening in their work environment and on their campuses. The problem is, is that over 50% in Gallup poll says 50% people resent the job they have. 20% intentionally muck up the works because they don't like their job so much. So we got people sitting in our church that despise the work that God has given. Now, if you're despising an attribute of God, do you think he's actually going to move in that work environment when you despise your boss, you despise the work and the first beginnings you have? And God's speaking to me about a revival of our people loving one of the first attributes of God. If you want to worship, start learning how to worship and see God use you in your work environment. And it's called life's work. And then there's another one called Holy Pockets on Stewardship and why people feel money is slipping through the holes in their pocket. They don't want holes in their pockets. They want holy pockets. And it's a great series. There's illustrations in it. You'll see the video so you can see and also hear. And then my sermon notes are in there. And listen, you can use the same points. Uh, you can use the same illustrations. But the ones that are about me, don't act like it happened to you, okay? And uh, but, the, just, but take it. Listen, you don't need to drop my name. You don't need to say I've heard of Pat. You just you take it. You're hardworking. And uh, let it be a blessing to you. And I think all three of the series are like 30 bucks. So uh, make an investment in yourself. And, and uh, if it ministers to you, uh, be feel, feel free to use it. Amen? All right. And you'll listen. It'll bless you. I'm just telling you, it'll bless you. I'm serious. Serious. I, I was listening to one of my sermons last night. I cash at myself $1,000 last night. That's how I was so blessed. Brenda, Brenda fell out right there in the hotel room. And it was just powerful. Powerful, powerful. So I want to talk to you a little bit about what to do when it does. Uh, there are times in your life you heard a little bit of our story, and I, I can't help but reference back to those. It always seems to make it way in my life. And, you know, just things per personal life, they make it into, your, into what God's dealing with you about as well. But, but uh, what do you do when it does? Everything is going great. You just think it could not get any better. And how many have ever had it where the bottom just fall, just drops out, just drops out? And then there's another crisis, and then there's another situation, and you thought you fixed this thing, and then this thing happens with the church, and then this thing happens with your child, this happens in your marriage, this happens in your body, something just, I, you, how many have ever been there where all of a sudden you thought it's just going great, and just the other shoe drops? Terrible thing. Uh you know, sometimes I, 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 when you're going through stuff, you don't even realize everything. When Brenda was even last night, she said, Sam, do you, do you even realize that, you know, just before our daughter went to be with Jesus in January 12, my, my brother unexpectedly just died of a heart attack in that after, right after Thanksgiving. Sarah goes to be with the Lord in January. And then, you know, just eight months later, my mom dies. So just in a just a short period of time, it's just like I'm going, okay, you know, I'm waiting for the other sh shoe to drop again. And I'm sitting there, 
and I've discovered that God really does make you a resilient person. I mean, he really does. In fact, my word for 2024 is resilience. Resilience is the ability that when something is beat, it's bent, it's tarnished, it's attacked. Resilience means that it has its ability to return back to its original intent for its purpose. And I just believe that God is raising up resilient men and women of God in the body of Christ. Can you say amen to that? Resilience. And so I, this, I did a whole series on this, but I was taking this time pattern uh, from, from 1 Samuel 19 to about uh, 2 Samuel 1. We're in 14 chapters. David is going through this same thing. He's at the top of his game. Everything's going great. And it's just one thing after another. He goes through heart, heartache. King Saul kills him. He's anointed. He knows what he's, he senses the anointing of a king. Now Saul wants to kill him. He's on the run. Uh, Doeg goes and kills Ahimelech and 85 priests in their entire family. He slaughters him. And he's just on the run. And this stuff is just hitting him. And I, you're just thinking, how can this guy put up with this? That he has the resilience to make it. And then you get to another story. When he's on the run, doing the will of God, he seemingly has done nothing wrong. And then here comes another thing in 1 Samuel 30. And I want you to go with me to this one, because I'm going to just kind of land here for the next few minutes. But it says, David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and, and Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it, and had taken captive the women and all who were in it, both young and old. They killed none of them, but they carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. I don't know what it is for you, but I think every one of us at some point, if you've not been there, you will get there. I know there are some people that say, well, I'm just such a faith person. You don't understand, man. I just, I confess it. I stand on it. I do too. We'll continue to do so. But I meet some people that say, I'm going to tell you just something's wrong with you. You got to do something right. I'm telling you, the devil doesn't want to mess with me because I tell you, I'm just so full of faith and I'm just so anointed. The devil doesn't want Maybe I've never had a run in with the devil preacher, never had a run with the devil. And I said, well, it stands to reason. It's hard to run into somebody if you're both going the same direction. Because you oppose him one time, he will come after you. But you and I are resilient people of God. Not because we listen to a Tony Robbins self-help video, not because we give a positive affirmation to ourselves, but there is greater is he that resides in you than anything that Satan can throw at you, even the ziklags at the bottom of your life. I'm telling you, it happens. Well, I mean, he's going through all this, and then it gets worse. You think that the people around you should have empathy now that they've cap taken captive your wives and children. You think the people that are in the pain with you should empathize with you. Sometimes they don't. In fact, it gets worse. 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, verse 6. Look what it says. David was greatly distressed. I mean, he's in the depths of depression. Greatly distressed is code language. He is in the depths of depression. He doesn't have, he doesn't have the ability to produce any tears now. Because the men, now, because the men are talking of stoning him. The leaders beside me, the people that I trusted, the people that voted me in, are now talking about against me. They want to stone me. 
Each one was bitter. And I want you to listen to that word bitter because I'm going to circle back around. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and his daughters. Now, I don't know where you've been or where you might be or if you're ever headed, but how many of you have ever been? Just raise your hands. How many have ever been in a just a low spot where you can kind of connect with the story of David here for me? How many you ever been there? I'm telling you. If you haven't been, you, you'll face it. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you there's some, I, there are times that I've come to the place, how many of you ever just felt so low? I mean, you could sit on a piece of toilet paper and swing your legs. Just let it register. It'll hit you about midnight tonight. Amen. You will use that in your pulpit. I promise you will use that. And we'll learn that at David's lowest, lowest point and at your lowest point, could actually be God's highest purpose that he is producing out of that crisis. That something is going to come out of you that would have never come out of you had you not faced this opposition with the Spirit of God in you. So I want to give you just a couple of things. Okay, so so what is it that kind of helps resilient people? And I'm going to kind of hit on this a little bit uh, uh, tonight as well, but I, I'm about getting joy in your life in the midst of all of this. But you got to first recognize your weaknesses. If you could just recognize your weaknesses, your vulnerabilities. The Malachites, they were fierce people. You all know the Bible. They, were, they hated Israel. They despised them. They were known for attacking Israel. But their attacks would come at strategic moments. And when the Amalekites would attack them, they would wait until Israel, God's people, were at a vulnerable pet place. When they knew they had a vulnerability, that's when they would attack. This is the same thing that happened to David. They knew he was vulnerable. They knew he was anointed to be king. They heard all the stories. So they know the time to attack is when that person is at the most vulnerable time in their moment. So can I just give you an encouragement today? Where you are most vulnerable and unprotected is where Satan will attack you the most. And that's where you and I have to discern. And sometimes it's the, it's the fringe you put around us that are really honest and really love you that can show you your vulnerabilities where you seem to be the most weakest. You have to guard the unprotected areas of your life. That is so critical to be honest with where's my vulnerability because that is the place where the enemy will take me the most. I love what Jesus Christ said in Matthew chapter 12, verse 43. He says, when an impure spirit comes out of a person, it goes through arid places seeking rest and does not, and does not find it. When it says, I will return to the house I left, when it arrives, it finds the house unoccupied, swept away, put in order. Then it goes and takes with it seven other spirits more wicked than itself, and they go and live there. And the final condition of that person is worse than when the first. This is how it will be with this wicked generation. It is, it's not enough just to clean our rooms and say, I've gotten over this deal one time. It's not enough to clean the rooms. You have to invite the right tenant into that vulnerable area of your life. It may be God, it may be accountability, but you've got to look for those vulnerabilities. One of the people that we have really have a deep relationship is Dr. Don Litchie, and I'm sure Don Litchie has been here with y'all. And Emerge is coming back to our church, and they're going to do something with our church for the first time that they're going to start trying to create as models for the church. We're having a soul care weekend for our congregation. And we're just excited enough it's going to be a special weekend of soul care. But Don Litchie is somebody that I brought him for years because uh, we had, in my first, I think my first uh, couple of years of pastoring, my first year of pastoring, we had five major moral failures that occurred in my first year pastoring. And some were very high profile. Uh, my worship, it was just, it was just a mess. 
And I thought I'd discerned and done due diligence, and I discovered uh, that my discernment was really off. And I noticed my vulnerability. So I said, I need someone to come in and help me do some testing with folks before we go into the hiring process. Well, it actually started happening that everybody, we started, started doing soul care for all of our pastors and all of our leaders and for ourselves, and we just kept this journey with them because sometimes I got to have somebody speaking to me. Oh, you got to have someone that's able to be honest with you. That's just all. And, and do it in love. And so Dr. Don Litchie, he said, Sam, here's where you got to talk about these vulnerabilities. And he gave me these two words that have always stuck with me, that when you're in an attack, you're in a crisis, your marriage is being attacked, whatever it is, you got to remember that I'm most vulnerable when I am and take the word halt and bad. Just remember those two words, halt and bad, and I just live by them. So you think of the word halt, it's when I'm hungry, when I'm angry, when I'm lonely, or when I'm tired. We will never make a decision when you're hungry. You can see it in the Bible. People made decisions just because their stomach was empty. Hungry, they're angry, they're lonely, or they're tired. I feel like I'm the only one leading this church and no one even cares. Not even my spouse under cares what I'm going through. Don't make a decision or make a move when you're hungry, angry, angry, lonely, or tired. Or the word bad. The word bad. It's when you're bored, when you're anxious, or when you're depressed. And those are the vulnerabilities that you got to watch for, something practical to watch for. If I'm in that and some decision or I'm getting ready to make do something, I got to examine, am I any one of these halt or bad and just pull back, dial back, and ask the Holy Spirit to bring someone, someone around you because Satan's MO is to go after our vulnerabilities. Whatever your weakness is, Satan's going to play on that area. You might be an insecure leader. You might have a problem with greed. We might have a problem with lust. We might have a problem with our position or power. And if someone's honest enough to talk to me about that, I need someone to help guard that area in my life. That's why I love Ephesians. I know I'm preaching to the choir here, but I love Ephesians 6.11. Put on the full armor of God so that when you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And too many of us are taking off pieces of our armor. Come on, get that breastplate of righteousness, that helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. Come on, have your feet shod with the rest of the gospel. Have your loins uh, girt about with truth, the reproductive areas of your life. Because too many believers in the house of God are just, just they're spiritual streakers, just, just running with a helmet. I got saved, a helmet and a smile. But we have to put on every single thing we have. And the reason why they're being destroyed is they're not guarding that protect, that area that is the most vulnerable. Come on, I love it. I love what 1 Peter 5a, you, we, we, we have to. We have no choice, everybody. we got to surround ourselves with people that will do that to us. He'll be honest with us. We have to. Because Peter's admonition is to stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and stand strong in your faith. And I don't know where the vulnerability is. It might be with one of your kids and what they've done. It might be with someone in your church, a leader. It might be something that's happening in the workplace because you're pastoring and you're working at the same time and the tensions are high and you're about ready to make a decision and a wrong move. I'm going to tell you, get some people around you right now. Get, begin to guard against that. Put that helmet of salvation over your mind. Get people that will surround you because Satan does come in like a roaring lion, but there's something greater in you. Come on, there's something greater inside of you. And because there's something greater inside of you, Satan may come like a roaring lion, 
But there's another lion entering the arena, and it's the lion of the tribe of Judah that is inside of you, my friends. And all Satan can do, my friends, is every tooth in his head was plucked at the cross of Calvary. All dominion and authority has been given to you. All Satan can do is gum you to death. You have another lion on your side in this battle. But you got to watch those weaknesses. You got to ask the Holy Spirit and people that are around you without reacting. Could you show me where I would be vulnerable if an attack happened on my life? And I'm going to get to that because you can actually become stronger and renew your strength when you feel like you're absolutely at your lowest point. I want to talk about renewing your strength. Oh, my goodness. This is very interesting. It says Samuel, in verse 6, says, was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter. I want you to see this bitter. I'm going to hit this bitter for a minute. Bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. This is key. This is very key. Now look at this next thing. They're talking to leaders here. But David found strength in the Lord his God. Now the people around him are getting bitter, but something tells me he actually improved at his lowest point in life and got better. Actually, something great can come out of you. I'm going to show you this in the Word of God. It is, I just thank God for His Word. He found strength. Notice the contrast between the two. From the beginning of the verse to the end of that verse, something happens in the leader that's transformational, that gives him the ability to rise up within himself, a resilience that even he actually turns the hearts of the people that actually want to destroy him. It's amazing. Something happens. He goes from stress to strength. He goes from weak to warrior. He goes from discouraged to determination, from fright, from fright now to fight. He's ready to do this. He's ready to get up again. God, should I pursue them? Should I overtake them? What's happening? Something is happening in us. If we'll let God renew our strength. And I want to, I've said this before, but I want to tell you the first thing. He surrounded himself with saints. There are people that will never cross-reference your information that you need to have in your life. If I could just boldly put it this way, every woman in this room needs an intimate friendship with another female that is non-sexual where you can unload your pain and your vulnerabilities without it ever being cross-referenced and ask God to open that up for you, ma'am. And every man in this room, every one of us needs a intimate relationship with another brother that is non-sexual where you can unload what's happening to you, brother. And no one, that person you know, will not cross-reference your information to anybody else. I'm extremely fortunate outside of my best friend, Brenda. I have two other men in my life that I can lay out every single thing and they will never cross-reference what their friend Sam said to them. Never. And they are out of town. <laughs> have you ever noticed that when believers hang out too much, they run out of things to talk and they end up talking about things they shouldn't talk about? Be, be, I got to be careful of that myself. Amen. It's never, it's never gossip. It comes in the, it comes in the form of a prayer request. <laughs> but you got to surround yourself. Now, I want you to look at this. I want to go to Psalm 142. It's the prayer in the cave that David prayers is on the run. 
Look at this prayer. Look at this prayer. Psalm 142, verse 6. He said, Hear my cry, for I am very low. Rescue me from my, persecu uh, my persecutors, for they are too strong for me. This is bigger than me. Bring me out of prison so I can thank you. Watch this. The godly will crowd around me, for you are good to me. Never, ever go it alone. Never go it alone. Never go it alone. Get around the godly that will first cry with you and empathize with you. When, when Brenda and I, I'll just, I'll just put it this way. There were people that the moment Sarah passed away wanted to bring us theological explanation. And they meant well. And they wanted, to, they, wanted to, they wanted to explain it to me as a pastor. And I think sometimes as pastors, we're always fixing things that we feel like we got to help people fix it so they can survive. I'm, I'm deep into theology. But sometimes they just don't need a scripture. They just want you to cry. And just sit with them. Some of the greatest things that happened were people that just sat with me. Theology I'll de dealt with later. I got to walk through all that, you know, and, and still, and, and now I got to live out my theology that I preached. But I'm going to tell you, get around those friends that are just, they don't want nothing from you. And they'll tell you, you tell me when I need to leave. Sometimes all anybody needs is just the godly that just sit around with you and they're praying for you. I like something about Charles Hayden Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers. Some of you may know the story, but it's that it was almost took his life. He was preaching to this huge crowd, and the auditorium was packed to preach his congregation. And seven malicious people that hated what was happening, the gospel he preached, got up in the middle of the service and started yelling, fire, 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 to disrupt his service. And people started stampeding out, and in the stampede, people were moving out so fast so quickly that four of his closest friends were trampled to death by the crowd that trampled him. He went into the deepest depression for the longest time, and the deacons took him, one, to his home. They gave him the best medical attention they could, but they could not get him out of this deep depression. He carried all that burden on himself because his seven, his, his four of his friends were trampled because somebody just yelled fire in that service. I mean, it was, de it was devastating. Then Spurgeon starts recalling that one day he was walking and he was praying. And Spurgeon said it was like somebody, it was like all of a sudden the dark just left me. And he said all of a sudden just the light came in, the presence of God came in. But he said this in that event. He says, all that I have ever known was restored to me because of the counsel and the comfort of the dearest of friends. And if I could tell you anything that when it happens and the bottom falls out, Start now developing and find that person that God intentionally, organically by the Spirit puts you together as those deep friends that will sit there and just commiserate with you and rejoice with you and encourage you and challenge you and provoke you to great works. Come on, the enemy may come against us, but how many thank God? One of us shall put a thousand flight, but two of us shall put ten thousand flight. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. Come on, where either two or three of you will agree as touching anything, God is right there in the middle of that relationship. So we ought to send the devil a word. How about this? Instead of, hey, somebody's going to find out about what I'm dealing with and I may get in trouble. How about this? How about when the devil comes after us, 
He doesn't have to deal with one. We are so bound by the spirit and the blood and the call of God that when Satan picks on one of us in this district, come on, all 3,000 of you, how many ministers are in this district and ministries, all 3,000 of you just get behind them and say, when they get done pounding on you, Satan, I'm next in line, and this one's in line because when you take on one of us, you're taking on the whole bunch. We're going to defend each other and strengthen our friends. But if I could admonish you, ask the Holy Spirit, God, is there that person in my life that is that close person that will never cross-reference that will, will commiserate in me? Because I'm telling you, in the journey we had, had that not occurred, I really don't know what I'd done without God's people. God's people are the most amazing people on the planet Earth. Amen? <laughs> here's, my, here's my last thing in this restoring strength. And it may seem a little preachy, but I'm telling you it's the truth. you got to learn to sing your song and keep worshiping in the middle of it. When he was delivered from Saul and his enemies, Psalm 18 says something. This is, this is when he's been delivered from Saul and his enemies. Look what he says in Psalm 18, verse 1. I love you, Lord. I love you, Lord. You are my strength. The, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my Savior. My God is my rock in whom I find protection. He is my shield, the power that saves me. And my place of safety, I called on the Lord who is worthy of praise, and he saved me from my enemies. Can somebody say amen to that? There is something about worshiping God. And most of it has not happened for the worship for me when it's been in the crowd. It's been my time just alone, just me and God, where, man, it's just, it's great stuff. I mean, I just feel like he's going to appear in front of me. I would soil myself, but I just feel like he could. It gets so real. How do you know what I'm talking about? It gets so real. And this is not, this is something that the enemy wants to take is the song that David kept when he had every right to say, I've done everything right. And why does this keep happening? Here we go again. Here we go again. The bottom falls out. But you know what he does? This guy, you see him as someone that is in a relationship in the presence of God, not just trying to write good lyrics and get a good chord. He is in the presence of God and revelation comes to him. I want to take you to a psalm that the psalmist wrote in Psalm 137, if you want to go with me there. And I just want to show you something that I believe the greatest productivity and the greatest revelation of Christ comes during those times, but it comes when your intimacy and your proximity of worshiping him. The situation in Psalm 137 is that they're at the river Kabar, and I don't know if you've ever read it. I'm sure you've read it, preached from it, but the children of Israel are now under Babylonian captivity. It's brutal for them, brutal, very brutal. And I want you to listen to what the psalmist says while they're at the river Kabar, in Babylonian captivity, and look at what it says, and I want you to watch it real close. Beside the rivers of Babylon, we sat and we wept as we thought of Jerusalem. We put away our harps, hanging them on the branches, on the poplar trees. Our captors demanded a song from us. Our tormentors insisted on a joyful hymn. Sing us one of those songs of Jerusalem. 
but how can we sing the songs of the Lord while in a pagan land? May my tongue stick to the roof of my mouth if I fail to remember you, if I don't make Jerusalem my greatest joy. Listen, I'm not singing. They did me wrong. God, our daughter should have lived here on this planet Earth. It should have been a different way. They should be paying me more. I'm overworked. I'm underpaid. My kids should behave better. I don't want to sing. I don't want to enter your presence. We're not singing. And look how they respond to their enemy. They're only not singing. Look what they say. Go to verse 8. Look, look how they're responding. Happy is the one who pays you back for what you have done to us. Happy is the one that takes your babies and smashes them against the rock. Bitter much? So I want to take this. I'm going to show you the power of why David said, sing your songs in your pain when you don't feel like it. And if you can't do it, you let somebody else do it for you. You crank on Maverick City. You turn on Bethel Music. You turn on anything. You turn on something. You go turn on go turn on Bill Gaither if that's your if, if that's your jam. Or, or if you want to go, listen, if, if turn on... The Chuck Wagon Gang singing Amazing Grace. Just get something and let somebody praise and create an atmosphere for you. Because the most powerful thing will come in that time. Now look at this. At the same time, Psalm 137, at the same time we have a prophet by the name of Ezekiel, and we find the prophet Ezekiel at the same location at the river Kabar with the same enemies, under the same conditions, under the same torment, under the same attack, on the same humiliation, in the same place, but something different is happening to the servant of God that is not happening to the people of God. And I want you to go to Ezekiel chapter 1 because he tells what's happening. Same time as 137. While I was with the Judean exiles beside the Kabar River in Babylon, watch this, the heavens were opened and I saw visions of God. Go to chapter 3, verse 12. Then the Spirit lifted me up. He lifted me up, and I heard a loud rumbling sound behind me. May the glory of the Lord be praised in his place. I, 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 verse 14, the Spirit lifted me up and took me away. I was in bitterness. They were bitter at David. But something's happened different to David. Something's happened different to him. I went in bitterness and turmoil. He was dealing with his real emotions. But the Lord's hold on me was strong. Then I came to the colony of the Judean exiles in Tel Aviv, uh, Tel Aviv beside the Kabar River. I was overwhelmed and sat among them for seven days. Are you listening to this story? Same problem, same pain, but something's happening different. It's like an oven. Everybody gets an oven at 350 degrees, and everybody gets the same ingredients. But it's amazing that you give someone the same oven, give them the same ingredients, but something happens where one can bring out a torched burnt offering, and someone can give you a meal that tastes so delicious. What happens is it'll either torch you, or you'll produce some of the greatest things that people can taste and see that the Lord is good in the middle of your pain and your sorrow and your anguish. Are you following this? But here is the difference. Can you listen to the difference for a moment? I want you to notice what the difference was. Did you notice that the difference was that the people mentioned Jerusalem three times and never God once? They were so caught up with national patriotism that they lost the gift 
They said we've lost our national patriotism and now we're humiliated. We didn't get in the office who we wanted in the office and now we're under a rule we don't want to be under now. And for three times they kept talking about the gift. You can keep talking about I used to have this big church and I used to have this money and I used to have this person and now I've suffered loss and why would God take this person or take this money or take my pride and you humiliate me like this. All they could think about was the gift but they forgot the one who gave it to them in the very first place. But all of a sudden you find you find Ezekiel going I'm not talking about the place. He doesn't once mention Jerusalem. All he can say is, may God be praised in his place. What do you mean in his place? He said, the spirit lifted me up. All they could look and focus on was my own self-pity, what I've been denied, and I'm gonna lay on this self-pity. If God was really good, then why am I going through this? And all they did was stay in bitterness. So did the prophet. He got bitter too. But the Bible says, he said, the spirit lifted me up. And he said, may God be praised in his place. And he took me up. What does that mean? That means he is in the same space of their pain. He's in the same space of their emotions, but he's in that space, but he's not in that place. You can be in the space of the pain, in the space of the humility, in the space of the attack, but if you can lift up your praise in the space of your, of your bitterness, in the space of your rejection, in the space of your loss, you can be taken, you're in that space, but he will take you to a place where his name is glorified and your heavens will open up and you will get greater revelation over what God's doing. You'll get greater meaning. Can I tell you, Satan is not in charge. Hell is not in charge of your life. The steps of the people of God are ordered by the Lord. Let me preach for a little bit and stir you up to say, God, get me in that place where I can hear your voice again. Because he will get you to focus on everything you've lost. What those people said. One of the most hurtful things was said about our daughter as she was three months away from dying. And I still pastor those people. Had them over for dinner. Because I refuse to worship the gifts he's given me more than the one who gave all those gifts in the first place. And he can have them anytime he wants them. Hooey. Worship as if your life depends on it. Because it does. Wow, don't y'all just feel like praising God right now? Don't you? Why don't you just get in his face? Why don't you just get in the devil's face? Just get in his face. Well, I don't feel like it. Well, fake it. Fake it till you make it. Well, I just don't feel like praising God. Well, there's only two times in the Bible you have to praise God. I can show you biblically. There's only two times you got to praise God in the Bible. Only two. The rest are not responsible. It's when you feel like it and when you don't feel like it. The only two times you got to praise Him. So how about we get up on our feet? How about we stand up? And how about we start our praise from our heart to the one who's given us everything we have? He's the pastor of the church, not you anyway. He's the father of your family. And how about we start worshiping with our mouths and let's just start moving. Come on, the devil can't read your mind. 
Well, I just, I'm just, no, don't, don't let him read your, let him read your lips of praise. Let's move it to our mouths. Come on, we, I want the worship team to come. 